What up, what up, what up, San Antonio, Austin, Del Rio, people up in Tyler, people up in the Shaw City, people down the whole 305 South Florida region, and people down Laredo. You are tuned in here to the Monday edition of the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, Mr. Sam spinning the one and twos with us this afternoon. We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. And this first segment of the day is going to be sponsored by Integrity Advisors Agency of Stephen Reese. Stephen Reese is a fully virtual insurance broker who can handle all your insurance needs, whether auto, life, home, or renters. That's because he represents over 40 different carriers. So give him a call and give you a free quote. His number is 210-641-4000. That is Integrity Advisors Agency of Stephen Reese, official sponsor of the sports crime. 1-800-707-9760 if you know what you want to talk about. Like usual, it is open phone lines. Anything that happened over the weekend uh, that's sports-related that you want to bring to the airwaves that we're not discussing, feel free to do that. The only thing we ask you to do is be patient during the long segments and breaks, and we'll try to get to the phone calls accordingly. Also, don't forget if you need to follow me or reach out to me on Twitter, it's at SportsGrime. And if you want to stream the show live and participate and leave comments on the live stream, you can go to the uh, Facebook business page of Sports Grind Entertainment, or you can go to my personal page and you can leave comments and we'll react to them through the show or I'll get a chance to react to them later. And if you ever miss any of the daily shows live, you can always go to sportsgrindonline.com where you can download the daily podcast every day. 1-800-707-9760. What's up, Mr. Clark? Ready? Ready to rock and roll. Mr. Sams? What's up, fellas? How we doing? Doing all right, man. It's Monday. Uh, just another reminder, this is a short week for us. Uh, we will be here with you today and tomorrow. Um, and off um, Wednesday and Thursday and back on Friday. Now, there's a couple things that could change. There's some things in flux with that that possibly – um, might be here with you Wednesday and off Thursday, Friday, but most likely it's going to be off on Wednesday and Thursday. And uh, we'll keep you up to date on the summer schedule as we continue because there could be some other weeks coming up here that will need uh, days off. So just bear with us. Usually everybody and their mom is this time of year taking out vacation. I mean, but not me. This is this is really all business stuff and, and some personal stuff. But, um, you know, but yeah. I mean, even AC took off for vacation, planned the trip, and didn't even. She just did the point that she's not even going to ask me if I want to go because she knows I'm always, man, I got this going on. So, yeah, they went out to uh, San Diego. Her nice. uh, stepdaughter and her mom, they went out there. They'll be back Wednesday. So, they left me with the animals to take care of. Like, yeah, this is fun. But anyway, Tank, they're bored as hell with me. I'm just sitting there watching TV. <laughs> You know, doing other things, and they're just looking at me like, yeah, okay, man. It's like, sorry, just hang in there a couple days. They'll be back. But, all right, so the sports world continues to move on. So we definitely got some, th- some things to discuss on this Monday. Um, Summer League is in the books. Uh, that's a wrap. I think Portland's the team that won the Summer League championship. Uh, played the New York Knicks in the final. I still don't know how they determine all that. They even give out these small-ass trophies and these, like, look like almost like fake rings that you get out of the gumball machine for a quarter. But it's like, I guess so, man. We got to give out 
championship trophies and winners for Summer League. But I get it because the Spurs, they won the Summer League one year not too long ago. Becky Hammond, shout out to her. So I don't want to poop on it uh, entirely, but I didn't know they were getting rings for that. that the stuff. rings are new this year. Oh, okay. This year. And there's there was jokes uh, when they first announced that of certain players uh, maybe trying to play, you know, uh, Forge their way into the G and into the summer league to try oh. to win a ring. Certain ones who don't have rings in the in their NBA careers yet. Okay. Well, you're speaking of that. Your Spurs finally got a win against Memphis on Friday. Uh, was kind of surprised that they beat Memphis, but watched that game. Um, so lucky they didn't go over because this streak goes back to last summer in summer league. They didn't win a game last year and they didn't win a game this year, but they finally they won a game and again. A man out of Ohio State continues to probably be the guy that looks like, you know, there's some promise uh, with him. Um, you know, I think, I mean, he's had a, he had a few games where he's had like 20, 25 was averaging kind of like that. Um, you know, so that that's a bright spot. But again, overall, you know, because I know I had it in the docket. I mean, my thoughts about Summer League in general after really, I mean, I've paid attention to it really heavily for the last couple of years since they moved it to Vegas. And the, uh, you know, the four-letter network and, and, you know, NBA TV, they've started picking up the games and carrying them. And after a couple of years watching this, and especially this year, uh, my thoughts are, well, the observations are, first of all, it is a high-priced pickup game. I mean, that's really, I mean, when I look at, I've looked at all these teams and I know last week I talked about like, hey, man, even though if you look at Memphis, I look at teams and they kind of have the same, you know, culture type intensity, but make no mistake about it. I don't think anybody, it doesn't look like anybody's really running their type of offense or doing anything. This is a straight up pickup game. I don't know how much coaches are really coaching. You know, a lot of these all assistant coaches, you know, been out down in the G League. Some of them been in the G League. You know, they go ahead and have these coaching. But after seeing this in the second observation is there is really some guys that, you know, are very fortunate to get to the level to be in that that let me let me put it this way the talent besides the rookie classes that got to play and all that the other talent there is a major i would say yeah there's probably a major gap between nba players and guys that are in the summer league that probably that you won't see or they've been on their second or third year summer league and you put them all together and the basketball you can just tell i mean from skill-wise shots or whatever, when you're watching a real NBA game and then you watch these guys, that's kind of what I take from it. And a lot of it has to do with because I just think it's a high-priced, a bunch of high-priced athletes playing a pickup game at lifetime. You know, that's really what it comes down to. You know, because there's some, I mean, trust me, and trust me, I'm watching it for the, you know, for the most part. So that's my observation. Not saying it's a bad thing, but I just think we need to put in perspective really what Summer League is is really about because a lot of these guys are you know either years away from getting a cracking a roster and getting an NBA or they're never going to make it because honestly I went to school with a few guys that post their career I could tell you if they had summer league back then or they had the the G leagues whatever there's some guys that I knew that wouldn't played overseas that could have probably made it into the NBA. But at that time, there was a lot of politics involved and you had to really know that way. If you wouldn't go to a major college and get in, but it's definitely, that's that's kind of my observation over the summer league. Well, and, and overseas is where a lot of these summer league guys are going to end up. You know, it's a good opportunity to get to get the 
uh, the, the, the draft picks acclimated, uh-huh. more acclimated to the kind of speed that the NBA asks because you do have guys that have played in the G League and are fighting for an end-of-roster spot mm. or a two-way contract opportunity at this time. But it's just, like you said, it's an extended... It, it, it's, it's, I, I wouldn't even say it's a high-priced uh, pickup game. I mean, high-priced athletes. For, for some of them. I mean, lots of them yeah. are just hoping to get an opportunity somewhere and land land somewhere. But those guys are getting paid. All those guys are getting paid to be part of the Summer League. They're, they're getting paid... A D, are they getting paid NBA money? No. But like I said, I know a lot of guys... You know, twenty some years ago, would have took a hundred thousand a year to play basketball. It would have in a, in a drop of a hat, with with knowing that well, I'm probably not going to crack a twelve man uh, roster on the NBA. I'm just telling you that, yeah, those guys, even though they're not still get you know going to crack the NBA, there's people listening to this show. There's people that I know that will take a hundred thousand, eighty thousand dollars to go dribble a basketball for however long, despite what the alternative is. Well, that's like, not the that, opportunity coming at the summer league. This is still just tryouts. It's not. It's, it's not quite the the Drew League that you also had going on this weekend. But uh, only a handful of them are really seeing even even somewhat considerable money. Are they are they under contract, Jones? All the players here, like, educate me. Is there something I miss? Are all these summer league guys are they under some type of contract? They signed to a summer league opportunity, unless you're already on a two way contract. Or you're on an actual NBA contract. Nobody else is under anything beyond summer league. Answer the question: Are they getting paid to play basketball in the summer by the NBA? I believe so. Okay. Again, like I'm going to say for the fourth time, there's people listening to this show, and there's people I grew up with that would take fifty to sixty, seventy thousand, a hundred thousand dollars a year to play basketball, with knowing they're probably never going to crack an NBA. They're not there for free. Okay. The alternative, some of them might be, is you want that paper or plastic, the self-service checkout lines here, or these are the insurance premium rates we got. But they're playing basketball and getting compensated with it, point blank. Also, moving on, golf. Uh, we had uh, the major, of course, British Open uh, was this uh, over this weekend. Um, pretty much, I mean, we knew that Tiger didn't make the, uh, the cut come Friday. Uh, but still, it was it was pretty much interesting on the leaderboard that you had. Uh, Cameron Smith uh, went nuts on Sunday. He fired a 64, I believe it was, a 64 in the final round to go ahead and take the British, the 150th British Open, okay, at St. Andrews with a 20 underscore for the tournament. Um, there's two things with this. Um, again, Rory. Rory just has to learn how to close better. I mean, he's it's been a while since he's won a major. He's done it before, so we know he can do it. But, you know, he alluded to it in his press conference after Saturday round about because people keep asking, you know, the last you've had leads and you've been close to the leads. Can you? Well, you know, I, whatever the stats are going to be, the stats the street's going to be. I just got to go out there and be within myself. Well, you know what? It's it's definitely, I think, a little bit of a problem because he did have a lead. You know, other than Cameron. Now, Cameron might have just been too good that day, but you got to think Rory going in the final round. I think he was already at 16 under. I want to think going into that final round, maybe 16, 17, but he was at least at 16 and end up, you know, at that time starting the final round, the winner ends up winning by his, you know, current score going in the final round by four strokes. Rory has to close better. There's something there psychologically, and he's won masters before. I mean, excuse me, majors before, so we know he can do it. The other thing I take away from it, in my opinion, okay, maybe the great Andy Everett disagrees with me, okay, and our TC golf pro that's out there that checks in once in a while. 
There's no major, in my opinion, that should have a winning score at 20 under. That, that's just period. I, I mean, you like, I mean, we're in an era where I don't care where the sport is, everybody likes scoring. Everybody, no, you know, I'm old school. I like a defensive battle. I like my U.S. Opens where, like, the whole leaderboard is, like, at two plus is the high, the best score. You got plus four, five, six. You got to go back in the day for that. But I do feel that I think there's – and I don't like major courses that are set up that's just totally unfair. But the reality of it is I know there's a lot of conditions that go into the British Open, especially in regards to what the weather's going to be like. Is there high wind? I think a lot of these guys got a break for the most part on the weather, even the starting day Thursday going into Friday weekend. But to me – 20 under should never be a major winning score for anybody. Because if that's the case, we've got to look at, I know these guys are good and they've gotten better, but I think, and, and it's not just one guy. I mean, you have a lot of scores. There was a lot of guys, 17 minus 17, 16. To me, that's, um, that's the integrity visors invitational on a Thursday out at the Valera, out at the TPC down here, or either at you know at the uh, whatever course you want to talk about here. Hell, at Wincrest Golf Course. I don't. I mean, it's supposed to be challenging and it's supposed to be tested. Because if if this is the situation, we've got either. I, I don't know. I've always told you how I feel about the equipment. I've always said that you know when Tiger jumped on the scene, there was a lot of equipment from the from the balls, from the the irons, a lot of things kind of you know changed to kind of keep up with a guy like him at that time in his prime. And now he's kind of made certain players be a lot better than normally what they are because equipment. And I'll stay on and I'll die on the hill with that in my opinion. But no, a 20 under should not be a major winning score. That's just too, you know, 12, 11, maybe somebody gets real at 13 under, you know, but you mostly majors. I like to see them, you know, winning score nine under eight minus eight minus 10, even, but when we start getting into 20 unders, that's just my opinion. It's not the golf I grew up on watching. To hit 12 or uh, 12 under or better gets you eighth place this last weekend and a tie for eighth. Yeah, I mean, whatever it gets you, I just think that it, it's got to be. And there were some challenging spots through this tournament at the British Open, but again, I think they really made it easy for the guys because the weather didn't, the wind didn't really blow that hard. It didn't, it wasn't really dealing with rain and all that kind of stuff. It wasn't really, it was chilly out there, but it wasn't really, you know, bitter cold. Those are the type of British Opens I've seen. But again, scored, and I have to go back to the other majors, but I've seen some high score, some low scoring and some majors over the course of the last few years has kind of brought to my attention. But this 20 under and taking nothing from the guy that won him, he becomes the second Australian to win it since, um, you know, Ernie Els, uh, you know, did it. So um, shots out to him. Also, speaking of golf, Sergio Garcia, he's compl- he's crying again. You know, um, he told everybody that he doesn't he's probably going to qu- uh, quit the European tour because he doesn't feel the love. He doesn't feel the love. You know, uh, Sergio's one of those tour live guys that took the money. Um, he says, hey, if I never get to play a major again, uh, you know, I guess it is what it is. Well, yeah, it took you long enough to win your first one, so I'm pretty sure you don't care if you don't have to go back and play majors. That's one. Um, but just, just uh, he, he's always rubbed me the wrong way because he's always crying about something, you know, just saying he's not feeling the love from the fan. Man, go out and play golf, you know. Go out and play golf. As long as you got the respect from your peers, I mean, just because you get it used to be just when he came over here to the United States, he got heckled. He'd have his problems when he played a U.S. Open over. Now he's complaining he don't feel the love over the Euro side. Whatever, Serge. Whatever. Also, before we leave golf, Tour Live, supposedly uh, Charles Barkley 
is supposed to be. I, I meant to get to this story like on Thursday, um, but got lost in the shuffle. But Charles Barkley is supposed to be sitting down with Tour Live. Um, he did a radio interview last week. I don't know what show it was. I think it was on Barstools, some show on Barstools. But he did an interview. Uh, the Pat and, McAfee okay, show. Okay, so it was Pat. Okay, so he sat down with Pat McAfee. And he was just talking about it. I don't know how the conversation came up. But he said, hey, you know, Greg's reached out to me, speaking of Greg Norman. And, you know, um, I'm going to listen. They said they're interested in having him part of a broadcasting team. And then he sits there and says, well, and he talked about the money that the golfers were getting. And he said, hey, you know what? For $200 million, or they said, for $250 million, um, I kill a relative. And I'm like, look, Charles, like, I, you know, I'm not, I understand I'm getting older and, and I'm not from the generation that everybody is sensitive or you got to watch everything you say, you know, because I'm not really down with that. But the reality of it is, I know you might need being tongue in cheek, but what's the use to making that comment? I mean, that I would kill a relative for 250. Like, come on, Chuck. And number two, what I took from it when I heard it, I said, really? First of all, broadcasting team, they've got to get the live. They've got to get some major broadcasting deal worked out with some network. They're streaming now, social media, that stuff is all fine. But if you want the advertisers, you want the money, you've got to get a major, you know, you've got to get some network to join. And Charles Barkley. I don't care what, you know, yes, we know he's a horrible golfer. He goes and calls these times. What the hell does Chuck know about commentating on golf? That that also shows me what are they really trying to do with this tour? I mean, I'm not hating on Chuck, but come on, man. I don't care. I mean, I mean Chuck for TNT, he has nothing to do with, that's not something he, just because he does basketball, he can come in and be a, a studio analyst to talk about golf. That's ridiculous. It does make you wonder what the really objective is over there to live. Listen to the Sports Grind broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing. Mr. Sandspin, the one and twos. We'll be back. Ready for a real cocktail? Introducing new Zing Zang ready-to-drink cocktails in a can. America's number one Bloody Mary mix with vodka. Zing Zang margaritas, tequila included. And whiskey sours with real Kentucky bourbon. Ready for no one to have to bartend. Real cocktails, real ingredients, really good. New Zing Zang full-strength canned cocktails. Legendary taste, legendary day. Always ready. Go to ZingZang.com to find where to buy. Please Zing Zang responsibly. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special nam and seafood lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to ChooseTiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. 
Listen up, San Antonio and Austin. Let me tell you about Stoli Vodka, our new partner. Handcrafted in Latvia, the award-winning Stoli Vodka has held the bar high for quality, combining innovation with century-old traditions to create something both refreshingly modern and exceptionally classic. Uncompromising spirit is the kind of belief that turns players into icons. 100% grain-to-glass Stoli Vodka starting lineup includes the iconic premium cucumber, vanilla, raspberry, and blueberry. If you want to learn more, visit Stoli.com. Stoli Vodka, official sponsor. Sponsor of the Sports Grind. All right, back here on the Sports Grind. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark, producing. Fans been the one and twos. We are broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. And this next segment is going to be sponsored by Way to Grow. Way to Grow is a full-service landscaping company that can handle all your residential or commercial needs. They'll give you a free estimate. All you got to do is go to waytogrow.net. That is Way to Grow, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. All right, so keeping it moving on with the docket. So, yeah, that's my whole deal with uh, Chuck. I see Claudia in Polk uh, checking in on the stream saying low-key Barkley needs money. Um, I mean, tell you the truth, uh, Claudia and Cole Polk, I think we all do no matter how much money you got. But I do think with majority of those guys that went over there needed the money or basically unless you use the family excuse. Well, I get to spend, I mean, Sergio talked about that. Unless I get to spend more time with my family, you know, this, which is, I mean, it is really true for some of the guys, especially, I mean, I forgot who it was. There was one guy, I tipped my hat up to him, keeping it real. He's like, uh, I've been on the tour grinding since 1995, over 20 years. Okay. I made so much, whatever. So it's all, I ain't going to get up here and BS you. It's about the money. I've been on the tour grinding since 95. And that's what it's about. Hey, I respect that, you know, but the whole Barkley thing, I just think it comes down to the credibility factor. You know, I, I mean, I've seen Chuck go on. I mean, during the Stanley Cup finals in the last few years, they'll trot him in there to kind of say his whole deal. I know hockey. I mean, Chuck don't know a damn thing about hockey. He knows maybe he knows presidents of operations and hockeys and GMs, but to see him, but I get it because he's he's part of a very successful, you know, TNT broadcast. But my whole point is, in my opinion, if you're getting him to actually be part of a golf broadcast, I don't care who you stick with them. I don't know if he's just supposed to be the funny black fat ball guy or what. But at the end of the day, to me, that's a little bit credible. Like, I don't just because he he sucks at golf and he has a bad swing and he's, he's Charles Barkley. What necessarily when I tune in, do I really want to hear him commentate a golf tournament? That's all. But we'll see what happens. I don't think he'd lie about anything. So they're going to have a seat with him. Also, what else we got going on? Uh, baseball. We're at the break. Um, you know, all-star game is tomorrow. Home run derby is tonight. I kind of told you last week I have to tip my hat to Pete Alonzo. I mean, the guy's going for three home run derby championships in a row. And the only reason I'm saying giving him credit is because if you if you missed that segment about a week ago when I talked about it, I just feel that, you know, in other sports, this is an event for the fans. This is a, any all-star in any sport is an event for the fans. I know this game used to count, determine who gets World Series home field. It doesn't It doesn't anymore. They've moved on from that. But it's still about the fans. And we've seen it in dunk contest. We've seen it in three-point contest. All the best three-point contests and best dunkers don't participate in the dunk, especially after they win it. And he's won it two times and going for a third. I got to tip my hat because there's some guys that's won this before. They haven't came back, or they do it maybe one other time. So hats off to Pete Alonzo. Of course, the Mets are having a hell of a season, uh, but we are at the break. Um, Chris Sale, bad luck, man. He's got a bad, he's got a black cat in his back pocket or in his locker. 
Uh, you know, he just this is only his second start for coming back uh, for being out. You know, pretty much the whole year. You know, also in his career, he missed down a year because he went through the Tommy John situation, and he comes back yesterday for his only second start uh, of this season, and he takes a line drive right off his pinky finger on his throwing hand on the left side. Probably he says he's going to determine to get back before the season's over. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's going to be a tough one. But I think he, he can. But I just, to me, the first thing that stood out to me is like, this guy has some bad luck. You know, never heard anything bad about Chris Sale. I mean, I think, you know, I really gained credit for him because he kind of humbled. When he kind of came back, he just said, hey, man, I missed it for a year or two. And I didn't realize how much I missed baseball, this and that. And he was kind of talking about that when they were going through their whole, you know, labor dispute and work stoppage situation. They were discussing that. So, uh, but yeah, so he's going to be on the shelf for a while. Other news, it was reported, I think, Friday, late Friday, even Saturday, Juan Soto, you know, the Nationals phenom. Uh, that's been in a World Series, won a World Series, has been there. He turned down, reportedly, he turned down $440 million from the Nationals. Okay, saying that he wants to really talk and test the market. And it started to get me think, like, um, okay, well, 440, I believe, would have put him ahead of Bryce, uh, excuse me, before ahead of Mike Trout by about 40 maybe a $50 million almost, would have put ahead of that. Um, definitely would have put him ahead of, who else was the other one? The, um, Bryce Harper. So it got me thinking like, damn. First of all, who's his agent? And second of all, how much does Juan Soto really think he can get on the open market? Unless there's something to the fact that he doesn't know if he wants to be long time, a long term, I should say, a national, a Washington national, that's a lot of cheese. I, I, I bet you a dollar to a donut that if, if Cashman would have offered Judge $440 million over arbitration, whatever, I guarantee you Judge would have signed that and probably would have been locked in as a Yankee. Go ahead, Jonas. Well, the, the key part, looking, stepping away from the money, is the fact of a 15-year. Okay. $440 million. So, I mean, that's just taking you off the shelf. The opportunity to earn, you know, so more potential that, control. Okay. I, I think I I think that would be one of those things because you look Possibly, at yeah. Bryce Harper's as a thirteen year contract. He's going to be stuck there for a while yet too. It would have been the largest contract in baseball history if he now. Let me signed. ask you: Give me the age of Juan Soto again. Uh, he is. What do you say, Sam? Twenty four. Twenty four. Okay. First, and you're telling me because I didn't hear about the years because I just saw the number. I didn't. I mean, when you get that kind of money, it's just one of those. I'll on smaller ones. I'll go look and see how many years they gave him. But you mean to tell me the Nationals was willing to offer him a 15 year contract? So he turned wanna, he, the reports from the four letter network. He turned down a 15 year 440 million dollar offer that would have made him the would have been the largest contract in baseball history. Earlier this year, he had declined a 13-year, $350 million offer. Well, I would tell you that, first of all— He hits the market in 2024, after 2024. First of all, I think that it would be—it would be—I still think that would have been a—Nationals would have got ripped for that contract. Because if you give him a 15-year, that puts him at damn near 39, even if he stays in a national uniform all his life. What kind of Juan Soto are you going to have at that age paying that? I mean, we saw it with Albert Pujols, what the Angels did with him to get him away from St. Louis. Now, maybe a Juan, maybe a 10-year contract, okay, at 24, especially if he's going to be, and, and I think he's on the verge, he's going to be a generational type of player. 
and a future Hall of Famer, but to sit there and commit to 15 years after some of the blunders we've seen over the last few years, I think the Nationals, that would have been, they're kind of lucky that he did turn it down, even with him being 24. Now, a 10-year one for him, okay. But 15, that's, I mean, so, again, I mean, for Juan to turn it down, then I guess what you're trying to say, in your opinion, it has to do more about the years and have him there than more of the dollar amount. Yeah, because, because it's, yeah. it's about having that opportunity to the opportunity to earn again. Right, right, right. Well, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, just whether it's 10, 15 years, I'm eager to see since he turned it down really what he's going to get on the open market. I think he thinks he can get maybe more besides just the years because the, you, you can negotiate the years. Somebody trying to give you 446, we could talk about that and try to talk about maybe the year if the number. I think it's really that the fact that him and his agent think he can maybe even get a little bit more if he tests the open market. Well, the thoughts are now, because again, he doesn't become a free agent until after 2024. Mm-hmm. So the, the reports uh, coming out this weekend are the fact that uh, the Nationals are looking to move him. And that could be the thing, too, is he just he might not feel like the Nationals in, in the next five years, eight years down the road, Possibly, are going to be yeah. really in contention. Yeah. I mean, I, I can kind of agree with that. I mean, I can see that. Uh, but also, baseball uh, news over the weekend. Yankees, speaking of Sale, Chris Sale, Yankees destroyed Boston over the weekend. I mean, especially on Saturday and Sunday. I mean, I think they put up damn near over a total of 20-some runs. And two 27. Games. Yeah, really. Scored them 27 to 3. Yeah, put the beat down on them. I mean, they've got a lead. I told you, the Yankees, they're not going to get caught. I mean, I think the Boston is still going to be around there hunting in for a wild card. But, uh, you know, stranger things have happened. But I think the Yankees are going to keep that 13 to 15 game lead in that division regardless. But psychologically, it was a beat down on them. And you wonder, and again, Boston just came in and took, I think, two from the Yankees a week ago. Or so or so. But they really came back and laid the wood to them. So that came across my radar. But baseball is at the break. You got the all-star game tomorrow. Also, switching gears, NFL news uh, today. Uh, look, the exciting thing, because I know everybody's, I know know me, and I've seen some people on social media. You're sitting there counting the days for football. See, it's like you're doing a bid, and you got to put an X out. Are you serving 5 to 10? You're doing a 3 to 9. Well, just to, hold, uh, just to add a little bit more light to that, the Raiders and the Bills, rookies, showed up for camp today. All right, so we've got the first official team that has their rookies. And most around the NFL, rookies are usually the first one to show up a few days earlier, you know, than the pro, than the, than the vets get there, I should say. Uh, but that is a bright spot that early on checked in this Monday. I think they're probably getting like a week start. You probably have some, hear some more teams reporting rookies toward the end of the week maybe, but most of them will probably start early next week. And then you'll have the veterans go toward the end of the month, like around the 27th, 26th, 28th, around there. But that lets you know that the NFL season, you know, even though it starts when free agency starts in the draft, but getting putting fingers in the dirt – is officially starting to get under the way with two teams reporting to camp. And one of those teams that they have their rookies reporting today, speaking of the Buffalo Bills, I would think of everything that I've heard in the offseason and making my own opinion about them, um, they're coming in with a lot and lot of expectations in regards to this is the year that they get over the hump. Um, You know, I've told you this a few times over the course of the last month or two. You know, I normally don't wait. I wait till August, the end of August, and, you know, preseason to see if there's any injuries in camp or preseason before I make predictions. But really the Buffalo Bills, um, for the next probably four to six weeks, it's going to be hard for me to 
really find somebody that I'm going to dethrone them with being comfortable, but going on the ledge, not even on the ledge, but going out there early to make a Super Bowl prediction for the AFC uh, being the Bills. I mean, normally, uh, trust me, I try to find reasons. If everybody's saying their favorite, I've tried to find reasons to think like, I don't think it's them. I think it's this team. But everything lines up with the Buffalo Bills. I mean, not only the additions in the offseason, the Von Miller situation, um, you know, I think that what they went through in the last couple of years, that is going to be a tough team to beat come playoffs. Um, because I do feel that, you know, this will be the year that they get that. This should be. Okay, you can never guarantee, but this should be the year that they get that home field advantage and you got to go to Old Orchard Park up there in Buffalo, New York, to kind of get them out of there and win in Buffalo. They, you, everybody thought they were they were on the pace to get it last year, you know, but on the cool, Tennessee just kept winning big games. They kept winning big games. Some things happened to go in the way of Tennessee in the last couple of weeks, giving them some help to get catapulted to that number one seed. Uh, but I think this is the year that I feel that Buffalo – Gets that now. Granted, uh, there's going to be some more pushback, I think, from Miami, and some more pushback, a little bit more pushback from the Jets. I still don't know if the Jets, because they rely on so many young guys to be or some of their best players are young guys. I don't know yet if they're really ready to really test Buffalo, even the two times they play them, or even you know forcing them, you know, for that division. But I definitely think Miami is New England. I don't know. I mean, I read a report this morning. I mean, Mac Jones, I brought it up a month ago. He has really got on this strict diet. He just feels like this has helped him a lot. People in the organization said, hey, he's taking strides in the offseason. It's all about this discipline that he wanted to do with his diet and cutting out. I don't know. I look at really the weapons, and I look at really the lack of moves. I mean, I understand. New. I mean, first of all, New England just traded Henry to the Chicago Bears last week. And and I don't know really what the what who they picked up in the draft or really any other receivers free agency that steps off the top of my head where they really aggressively address that issue. You're gonna say something, Jonah? Uh it was Nikhil Harry. Nikhil uh, Harry. Their former first round Nikhil pick. Harry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um but they did add uh Devontae Parker from the Dolphins. Thought that was rather an interesting mm. signing. But the reason why I wanted to specify is because they still have Hunter Henry at tight end, Johnny Smith at tight end um, in in that offense. But they've fallen to third. If you you look at at Vegas and the division to win the division, they're third behind the Dolphins. Jets are way back. Um, Yeah, those names, they don't really – I mean, when you have a quarterback coming in his second year like Matt Jones – um, and I've always said this, you can have top-level receivers that can make a young quarterback even better. Now, quarterbacks are supposed to make receivers look better than what they really are. I don't know if Mac Jones is to that level yet because Mac Jones had a lot of weapons in Alabama. Um, you know, I, I I didn't think he had a bad rookie year. I thought he did a good job his rookie year. But when they talk about these leaps that he's made and because of his diet, I still look back as like, where does their weapons – I mean, where does their skill position players on the offensive side, where do they stack up against Miami? Where do they stack up against Buffalo? Hell, like I said, the Jets are just young. But even upside with the Jets and their skill positions are better than what New England have. 
And that's all I'm saying. I mean, trust me, I have defended the the the, the hoodie forever on this show, and, and about the whole responsibility, who's responsible more for the dynasty, him and Tom. I've always gone with Bill, but to me, you know, they started off slower last year. Keep in mind that was my Super Bowl pick last year. I kind of went on a very limb on that one, but I just feel that it's to the point where nothing about his coaching skills or he's overrated because of Tom. It comes down to changing your ways, the way you operate. And looking at and just pretty much said, hey, you know what? We've got to find a way to get some better skill positions because of what our division and the rest of the AFC is doing if we're going to try to get back to where we want to, speaking of the New England Patriots. Listen to the Sports Grind broadcasting here from the Hazel Sky Online Studios. Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing. Mr. Sands spinning the one and twos. We'll be back.